Welcome, Fibers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. It's time, once again, to join your hosts Q and J in the writer's room for an other stuff, too, discussion you'll definitely agree with. High Five, the podcast, is not responsible for your agreement or disagreement with our discussions, but if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. And now, on with the show. What up, Jay? Q, it's so good to see you. Likewise, it's another week. It's another wild and wacky week. World I was going to say sports. Wednesday, but it's not a Wednesday. I mean, when there people are listening to this, it might be a Wednesday. Oh, so it's a welcome to a wild and wacky Wednesday in West Village Wood, which neither <laughs> of us are in. Nope. Um. Uh. So, well, I mean, okay. Let's let's be clear. It could be a Wednesday, but if you're listening to this the day after it's released, it's a Thursday. But if you're listening to it the day before it's released, get out of Q's apartment or house. Right, because that's creepy. Because that's weird. You can't listen to this the day before it's released, or you're in Q's house. Q, the call is coming from inside the house. <gasps> call the nope, police, it- and then let's talk about some other stuff. Moody and stuff. I love your stuff. Weird stuff. Sensitive stuff. Taxi stuff. Evil stuff. Piffing little stuff. Heavy stuff. Big boy stuff. Super cool stuff you wouldn't understand. Well, I rousted the invaders out of my house. Just like Mr. Feeney? Just like Mr. Feeney. Well, I was going to say more like, uh, spoiler alert, more like Brad Pitt at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, my God. Okay. I I finally saw it, so we can definitely talk about it. Um, But you know, you got my Mr. Feeney reference, right? Uh, you, oh yeah, cause he fought, the actor fought yeah, out, William like, Daniels invaders out of his house, scared off invaders from his house, probably with very poignant life lessons. He was probably like, look children, I was doing Morgan Freeman for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that was the longest night of Corey's life. Look here, Andy Dufresne, <laughs> yeah. get out of my house, I'm gone. Cor- Corey <laughs> Matthews, you and your brother are annoying neighbors. <laughs> Red. Oh, I thought you were going to say rape. <laughs> like Why in the world would like I do that? that? Like that's his rape whistle? It's like a version of Corey Matthews? Will Friedel's like, rape whistle is just him yelling rape in the Eric Matthews <laughs> style? Yeah. Like you blow, in, you blow into it and he's like rape. Oh, no. That's funny and terrible. And I hate it and love it. That Okay. That's a subject matter that should never be joked about, but that is un, like declaratively funny. I agree. There's no arguing with it. It's hilarious. But rape is a serious subject, guys. Oh, but man. Honestly, if I could have a rape whistle that was that, I Is an Eric Matthews rape whistle? I probably would. Oh my goodness! I, I could have I used even, it when people just broke into my house. Jay. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> well, I'll tell you where we can go. Okay, let's let's talk about let's tell the audience a, a word story. Okay, okay, a word story about once upon a time in word, Hollywood. Word, word, I, word, I, word I, don't, I don't know if you can tell, but I really want to talk about this. Yeah, movie. I was about and to since say we're, like since we're doing another we got, stuff too. I love it. We've got a handful of things to talk about, but it seems like you really want to get to that. Now, hold on, Q. Before we talk about like movies and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and things that we've seen, should we cue in people a little bit more on this whole 
Project Nerd announcement that we made last week. Oh my god, Project Nerd, who's that, Jay? There are are now very benevolent overlords. You're right, just like the robots. <laughs> right, but except their their AI isn't uh, it's not like I robot level AI. It's just very nerdy AI. That's right. It's just <laughs> oh god. Okay, nope. I need to get away from that. So. Uh, <laughs> Yes, so Project Nerd. Okay, so here's kind of the rundown, guys. If you've watched our social media at all in the Which, recent weeks. come on, of course you have. Uh, then you would see that not only did we make an announcement, but Project Nerd made an announcement that High Five the Podcast has officially joined the Project Nerd Network. Their universe, their family. If we you are will. in canon for Project Nerd. We are, we are, and it's and it's really exciting. So we met these guys when we went up to Ocon. Um, they are uh, one awesome. They were amazing guys. I think we even bragged on them on the show and when we talked about Ocon. Um, so these are guys that we connected with immediately. Um, their podcast network is completely dedicated to things revolving around nerd culture. Um, and we, but they do really some things that, that we don't even do. Yeah. Like they talk about sports. Wait, we don't what? do, we don't know sports ball. What are, what are those? That's where two guys usually, but sometimes girls and sometimes girls and guys hit each other for the enjoyment of others. But oh, I've heard sometimes, of this. I've heard sometimes I've while heard carrying, while carrying, uh, usually round objects to like other parts of like large open fields. So wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that Remember the Titans isn't science fiction? No, man. That's an actual game. Yes. That people play with their bodies. Yes. Wow. And Denzel Washington is always their coach. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> what? Just like in just like in Coach Carter. Wait, that's not him. That's Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's right. He's in he's in everything. Wait, is that Samuel L. Jackson? It is Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, good. I was just making a funny. I was I was then gonna retract and be like, no, that's Lawrence Fishburne. It's like when it's like the it's like the movie when Morgan Freeman is the coach of everybody. What's that called? Deep Impact? <laughs> yeah, he just coaches everyone through annihilation. Uh, Armageddon? <laughs> Not the movie that's, Armageddon. That's also the one that came out the same year that's about the same thing but ends differently. Although that would be fun. Morgan Freeman coaching you through uh, Armageddon. So he's like... <laughs> so he's you like, see the asteroid is falling. You know well, your life and existence will soon be over. I hope you have loved ones near you. Bruce, Bruce Will... I actually meant the movie. So like... Oh. <laughs> Bru Bruce, Bruce Willis's daughter is in a relationship that he is not happy about with Ben Affleck. And to He'd, be quite honest, his use of animal crackers is quite <laughs> salacious. He has an upsetting need to place animal cra crackers ac across her body and eat them off in a sensual fashion. Now at the end, you might think that Ben Affleck is truly going to save the world, but oh no, there's a Bruce switcheroo coming. <laughs> there's an old Bruce switcheroo I think that's one of the cons that we talked about in the, our con artist <laughs> yes. episode, the old Bruce switcheroo. And this movie, everyone, Steve Buscemi is quite horny. Hey, can we talk about the fact that everybody glosses over in Armageddon when he, when Ben Affleck is sensually eating animal crackers off of Liv Tyler's body? That's a great, like interesting statement. <laughs> he like straight up sticks an animal cracker down her pants. She, he totally does, and just leaves it. <laughs> like, <laughs> You, it's wait. not even like a sensual like eating 
of Are it. You, he just is like, and he said he like does that just, weird crocodile hunter accent, and he's like, uh, "This one's going on a journey down under." And then he just like, do you think it's there the rest of the movie? <laughs> I think so. Hot take: that animal cracker is in Liv Tyler's pants for the remainder of there the is, film. There is, uh, there is a scene at the end where when she's talking to Bruce Willis and he's sacrificing herself, and and Billy Bob Thornton is like comforting her, where she just like brings an animal cracker up to her mouth <laughs> and, and just takes that you know what would be crying. really funny though that same that same scenario except the camera like pans back like pulls back right for a wider shot and Liv tyler's just standing there and then an animal cracker just like falls out of her pant leg <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's would... just kind of like looking at her huh? and she kind of like looks down at the animal cracker and everybody else looks down at the animal cracker and then they kind of like look at each other and then and billy then... bob thornton reached down and eats it and everybody looks at me he's like what i do weird shit i'm billy bob thornton ah <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> definitely so yeah. project nerd uh the, the network <laughs> Is uh, guys, this is gonna be great. So, nothing about the show is really changing. You'll hear bumpers at the beginning. We're gonna talk about Project Nerd, but guess what, guys? We're bringing Project Nerd into the High Five family. We're welcoming the Project Nerdites into our family. If you're listening from Project from Project Nerd Universe, we thank you. We hope you stick around. It's gonna be a right. lot of fun. But we're they gonna welcome. be at events. Uh, yes, we're we're gonna be at cons with them. Yes, uh, you guys are never gonna get rid of us. No, we have like really they have I know we talked about welcoming them into our family. They have also really with open arms welcomed us into their family. Um, it is it is going to be a really, really sexy match made in heaven. It really Just like is. a whole bunch of sexy nerdy. That's another that's a podcast on their network. Actually, yeah. I'm saying it's sexy nerd science. That's a yeah. thing. There's going to be a whole bunch of sexy nerd science going on. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost going to be as sexy as, like, sticking an animal cracker down someone's pants. That's it. High five the podcast. Joining Project Nerd ex as sexy as putting an animal cracker down your pants. All right. All right so, so, what did you watch this week, man? <laughs> Our perfect. segues are on point today. Nailed it. Nailed well, it. Sp speaking of animal crackers in your pants... Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, okay, you you had seen this movie when we talked and recorded the last episode. Yes, and I, I saw this not. movie opening day. Actually, I you you tempered your reaction to it. Um, I did, which I'm very happy that you did because holy crap, Q, it's so I good. I loved this movie. It's so good. I it's loved so good. it. I it's loved so it. It's so different. It really well. It is, but it also still has like the Quentin Tarantino isms, like his his playing with time and chronology, um, his his the the way his characters kind of develop and some of the the directing flares that he has in there. But he's added some new stuff and and just my goodness, it was. I didn't know what to expect. Here's the here's the best compliment I can give it is okay. I saw the trailers. I knew kind of what it was. But as I was watching it, I realized very quickly that I had no idea what to expect from this movie. Do you do you get now to how I said that Margot Robbie is more of a bookend and a set piece than an actual like imperative to the story? Yes, I do. But I have a, a, an addition to that that I'm glad you didn't say because it would have led me down a, a route of possibly figuring out what this movie was trying to do. Kay. And okay. 
I'm going to pause at this point, guys. We're going to talk spoilers for this movie over the next, like, five or six minutes. Yes, very heavily. And I would heavily encourage you to skip ahead about ten minutes in the episode if you haven't seen it. Because the way that this movie plays with stuff and the twists in this movie are half of the enjoyment for me. I agree. And, 100%. And so, so skip ahead if you haven't seen it, but here's the thing. I think Margot Robbie and, and I can understand a little bit of why people may have thrown shade at it, but she's almost more of a red herring than anything. Sure. She, well, like I said, she kind of builds tension because she, People, she plays Sharon Tate, and people yes. famously know what happened to Sharon Tate. She got murdered by the Manson family. Yeah. So, in the house on CeeLo Drive, right. which this I say, movie plays up heavily. Exactly, and I think that's kind of the point is she's more a a bookend. She's more a, like, a, a tension-providing set piece. That's why I said she's right. more of a set piece. Because because of people's, like, knowledge of what happens to her, it kind of builds this tension of dread of, like, ooh, this is coming. Like, well, this is going to happen. She's almost like an embodiment of a Chekhov's gun. Right. Like, you just keep seeing her so you think you know where it's going. And the fact that Quentin Tarantino does what he does and does his whole revisionist history approach to this the is facts, the second. This is the second time. Yeah. So first he killed Hitler and Inglorious Bastards by like obliterating his body with millions of bullets. Right. And then in this time, he doesn't kill Sharon Tate. Right. That's the spoiler, guys. That it there is a there is a deviation from the Manson family near the end, much to their chagrin. For sure. Now, the interesting part is, and I know you and I um are very big fans even because you and I have kind of written around written some things in regards to this before but we really enjoy taking actual reality and history right and then working a fiction around it yes um, because it provides this like weird cool uh almost believable take on things right um, and that happens with th- the three actual people who went to Sharon Tate's house. Yes, night are the three actual people who go towards her house <laughs> on that night. But instead, they stop at Rick Dalton's house because he yells at them in his bathrobe with a thing of frozen margaritas, which again, OK, Q, I think you're right. Leo should probably win an Oscar for this, dude. Okay, can we just talk about, and I know we're getting towards the end, too, of, like, the movie, but can we jump back in time in the movie, and can we talk about his trailer scene freakout where he is screaming at himself yes, and crying and, th- like, giving up at drinking and then immediately drinking again? Eight whiskey sodas? Really? That was maybe, and when he's, like, l- t- talking to himself in the mirror, and he's like, if you fuck this up, I'm going to fucking kill you. I will fucking kill you. I'll blow your brains out in the yeah, pool. I'll, yeah. That shit what was, was also weird. It was oh, so good. Oh, so good. Uh, okay, so, but with that, actually, Amanda pointed this out to me. In that scene, the way that it's framed is he's looking in the menu, mirror at an angle. So he's, like, uh, looking right at the camera. Right. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, because so you kind of get this, like, you're watching, you're seeing it from his perspective almost. Yeah. Through that weird like camera setup. 
Oh, it's the- it's. But that scene blew me away, and it we, we our whole audience was laughing. Yep. But at the same time, Haley looked over to me, and she's like, "Yo." He is speaking legitimate thoughts that I have thought in my head before. Like, everybody has those moments where your inner monologue is like, God, you're so fucking stupid. Like, you, you just embarrassed, embarrassed yourself. You embarrassed yourself. But he, like, actually outwardly portrays that, and it's fucking tonally perfect it is well, it's a beautiful thing to see and then the layers of dicaprio you know he's rick dalton and when he's rick dalton he has a li- he has a stutter which okay. i also thought that was pretty brilliant okay i didn't i don't know that i noticed this it's not bad it's not like uh it level stutter sure but when he is not on set he, he th- th- stutters on some word stutters with words that he is saying Okay. He did it I at the beginning that, but... that I noticed. He definitely did it during the Al Pacino conversation at the beginning. Sure. And it is it's minutely present throughout. But it's just awesome. It, sure. But he's Rick Dalton doing that. But then he's Rick Dalton acting. and But you have to know him as not only Rick Dalton, but as Rick Dalton's character. And sometimes he's acting well, and sometimes he's acting poorly. But it's all believable. Right. It was just... Because the scene that he embarrasses himself at, you know, where he asks for his line, he isn't great in that scene. But then later, when he is, when he's like holding the little girl, sure, he is legitimately great for in sure. that scene. Can I ask you a question? Speaking of that scene with uh, where he's acting opposite Timothy Oliphant, uh huh, right? Um, there is something that happens when he first meets Timothy Oliphant. There is a cut in the film. And Timothy Oliphant is holding his hat, and then all of a sudden he is, is wearing the hat. Wearing his hat? What's up with that? That really doesn't happen at all again throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, okay, I actually I noticed that as well. And it does happen throughout the rest of the movie, but never as jarringly because of the hat. So there are a handful of scenes, and the, 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 the freakout in his trailer is one of them. It's not a continuous shot. It's like segments in time. So it, like that freak out was like 30 minutes long, but it, 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 you can tell that it's edited. You know, it, he cuts around. Sure. But that element of Timothy, uh, 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 Timothy Oliphant holding his hat and then wearing his hat is the most jarring version of it because it does happen a couple of other times when people are doing things and it's just like a couple of hard edits to show right. all the different colors or layers of what's happening that one's weird and i'm gonna be honest it almost felt like a mistake to me like i it was thought kind it of, was like i watched it and i and then i kept waiting for it to be like um because then i was like okay well maybe it's like an unreliable narrator situation sure and so it's like it's revising the story as it happens so it's like oh he wasn't wearing his hat he was actually wearing his hat you know right. what i mean like it was gonna be that kind of thing so i kept waiting for more of that to happen where it was like Oh, I wasn't on the roof. I was actually in the pool. So you like suddenly cut from on yeah. the roof to in the pool. Almost or like something. what they did in American Animals or whatever. Yes, exactly. So I was kind of waiting for that. And then that didn't happen. So I will say that that small and maybe not so small, that small thing was my only gripe about the movie because I was like, whatever he was trying to communicate it did didn't not work. get communicated to I, me. I agree with that. And and here's the thing. I noticed it 
starkly when I saw it. And then I started to pay attention, and that's when I started noticing that type of scene happens again. But it's never as jarring as that one hat scene. So I would say when you go back and watch it again, you'll notice those types of scenes. I definitely that element of it or that specific one is not handled well. Because it is so jarring and it never happens again. Like if it did happen in other times where it was that noticeable of a hard edit, then it'd be fine because you could see that coming. But But there never is noticeable. It felt more like a mistake than it was an intentional like hard cut. When I first saw it, I thought it was a mistake and I was like, wow, that's a huge glaring error. But then I was like, well, that can't be a glaring error because – it's, it's Quentin those Tarantino. Types of things don't, ha- don't happen with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and the, I, that uh, that exact line of thought was my exact line of thought. It's like, I was, was that like, a mistake? It can't be a mistake. I was like, there's no way. I was like, now, I'm not saying Tarantino is Stanley Kubrick, so he's not sure. like pouring over every single frame. But I was like, but Tarantino often edits, is in, heavily involved in the edit of his right. own films. So there's no way he missed something that. It's Major. just so noticeable. So it has to be in there for a reason or it has to be on purpose. But it's just it's it's weird. I wonder if that's ever going to come up like in interviews that he has, like, like why pe- he did it that way or Jay, if you and I get the opportunity to interview Quentin Tarantino, we're asking him that. Yes. That's we're like saying we one question. We're like, listen, we love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do not get us wrong. But what's up with Timothy Oliphant's hat? <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? What, what was your intention? Maybe just clarify for us, because we'll go along with anything yeah. you say. Just explain. Explain yourself. <laughs> what were you trying to do there? But um, so, but uh, okay. So I want to compliment some other people in the movie as well. To your pussycat, point, pussycat, amazing. Her fuck. scene, Margaret or Margaret Qualley. Yeah, that day where where Brad Pitt goes to the 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 spawn fuck. ranch and he's in the Lancer scenes with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. that whole day is like my favorite aspect of the movie outside of the very end sure. um but also uh i, I want to compliment margot robbie i really really do sure for this reason you know a lot of people and even i think you mentioned it you said i think she has like 10 lines of dialogue sure maybe she does she's uh, she's in the movie quite a bit but a lot of what she's doing is silent acting and i will tell you i got a clear sense of the naivety the earnestness the kind of distracted from real life elements of Sharon Tate in her character just through her facial expressions just through her acting even without a lot of dialogue I thought she did really really well and I was definitely invested in what was going to happen to her probably because of what I knew about her history Uh, and so I definitely want to give her kudos Um, but also I want to come back to Brad Pitt yeah. You are 100% right on this one. He kills it. He's Dude. great. And it's he, a different kind of performance than I think he's ever given. There's a little bit of Aldo Rain in there. A little a bit. Li- a little bit. Just kind of like the quiet confidence of Aldo Rain. Sure. But his – okay, and this is where I want to segue into the end. His scenes at the end – when he's stoned on acid on the acid cigarette Dude. and he's not sure what's going to happen or what is happening. I think I have never laughed harder at Brad Pitt. And then when, when the guy's like, who, are, who are, what was your name? And he's like, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. And then there's a long pause and Brad Pitt goes, nah, it was something dumber than that. Dude. 
I've I never laughed it. harder. I loved it. Can I can I also say since we're talking about some of the cast here, there were some people in here that legitimately at first blush I didn't know it was them until a little bit in. Emil Hirsch is one of them. Yeah, as Sebring or whatever at, his yeah, name was. As Jay Sebring, I it took me several scenes that he was in before I was like, wait a minute, is that Emil Hirsch? I, I kept thinking the same thing because I saw his name in the credits and I knew he was in the movie, but half the time I'm like, is he Roman Polanski in a bunch of makeup? Like I couldn't figure out where he was, who he was. Sure. Now another one that I honestly on first take did not register was Dakota Fanning. Yes. As Squeaky. Yeah. Like at first I was like, I know Dakota Fanning's in this movie. Where is Dakota Fanning? Yeah. Oh. Yes. And then I was like, wait a minute, is she squeaky? And I even asked Haley, I was like, was that Dakota Fanning? And she was like, yes, it and was. And she did and great. Was like, she was awesome in that scene. Well, and the thing was, the way that they led that scene up with the, the first half of her dialogue, you just see from behind the chair she's sitting in. Yes. I was like, oh, this is going to be a big reveal. This is going to be like Jodie Foster or something. And then when she answered the door, I was like, that's not anybody famous. And then five minutes later, I was like, wait, was that Dakota Fanning? Right. It's crazy. Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen. Great. Dude. I, I, I knew I recognized the Steve McQueen actor, but couldn't place him. So Damian, good. Damian Lewis, uh, one of my favorite performances was in Dreamcatcher, <laughs> which is a, <laughs> I don't think a, that, ter- I don't think a terribly would. shitty Stephen King movie, but I fucking love it. It is a guilty pleasure of mine. For I'm, sure. say, I'm not sure anyone would agree with and you And Timothy Oliphant is also in that film. Yeah, he, he is. He is. Uh, um, what about Mike Moe as Bruce Lee? Okay, so me me and Amanda had a big conversation about this. And yes. Because that scene, I know, has been sparking a lot of controversy. But yeah. for me, I didn't really catch on to what was going on. Because, and let me say this, like, Bruce Lee was not a big part of my upbringing. I don't, like, you know, hold him in, I hold him in high regard for his talent. But it's not like, oh, well, they kind of portrayed him as arrogant in this movie that didn't offend me. Sure. Now, having come to understand that part of his character and part of his brand is that he was very humble and very, you know, soft-spoken and nice, I can see – I can definitely understand the argument. Right. But the guy portraying him, I totally believe that was Bruce Lee. <laughs> well, and can I say too – all right, because I did so little research too because I read those same articles that came out. And Haley and I immediately had a conversation. I was like, damn, that feels weird. I don't feel like Quentin Tarantino would inaccurately portray somebody who died like that because of all of the effort that he went through with the Tate family. Like, he actually met with them to, like, make sure that they were okay with how he was going to do this. I was like, I would imagine if he was going to make fun of somebody in a way that they were not, he would have addressed Bruce Lee's family, the Lee family. But... Then I read a little bit more into Bruce Lee, and apparently it is well documented that he was kind of an arrogant asshole and often picked fights with people. Oh, really? Like, I see, I've been trying. I, I haven't researched it yet, but yeah. I'll be interested to see if I can yeah. back that go, up. Go with look fine, it up. Fine research. He, okay. it, he literally, there's a whole article about like his personality and apparently it's kind of well known in Hollywood circles. Now his brand, you're right, was this quiet, soft-spoken guy, but apparently he was a bit of a braggart in real life. 
Interesting. And I'll have to I'll have to research that because yeah. I that's not what I have heard, and so you know I definitely want to know. Now it wasn't like a huge thing. the the other The other aspect of that that I brought up to Amanda was it was in the movie. It's portrayed as Brad Pitt's recollection of that incident. So right. maybe he was justifying it in his mind of like, well, I had every right to fight Bruce Lee on that set and get fired by uh, um, get fired by Kurt Russell because he was such a braggart. So maybe that was his memory. Like I was, I was going all over the place. But sure. I'm gonna have to do some more research because I legitimately don't know. Now, obviously, this version is a caricature. Okay. So and also it's everything all else, heightened, and everything else in the movie is fake. <laughs> right, but it does say like, here, I just did a Google search for cocky Bruce Lee, and here's a immediate Yahoo article that pulled up and says Bruce Lee was often cocky and strutting, and was a strutting braggart. But Tarantino took those traits and exaggerated them to the point of a caricature. There but it shows that, like, then I was like, okay, like, well, yeah. if that's kind of who you were, then then that's no, I guess no that's harm, what's no foul. Be in the movie. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, um, but man, but, yeah, it was just so good. The whole thing, and then the end, like I said, the end when the the family goes to uh, Leo DiCaprio's house instead of Sharon Tate's house and meet. An unbelievably grisly end. <laughs> sure. Holy Lord. Um, so, you know how much of this was real? No, I don't, actually. A fuck ton. Really? Uh, did you know that Lancer was real? I did know that Lancer was real, and I know that the guy who Timothy Oliphant plays, one of the reasons that... James Stacy is real. Yeah. He had a motorcycle accident and lost, like, one of his legs and his arm, which is why, like... The scene of him riding off on the motorcycle is so elongated. And Luke Perry's character, Wayne Maunder, is also yep. real. <clears throat> yeah, so I didn't like, know like, all the shows and stuff were real. Which is crazy. Like, yeah. that's where it draws that weird line. I, I think I, in a perfect, like, example, um, was you and I talked about the soundtrack initially before mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to tell you about the movie. And the soundtrack is littered with both real advertisements from the day as well as fake advertisements that are made to sound like real advertisements from the yeah. day. But they are almost indiscernible. Like, yeah. I can't tell what's real and what's not. And I feel like that's the chord that Quentin Tarantino struck with this movie, is yeah. I can't tell what's real and what's not. Like, obviously, I know that Sharon Taint died. Right. But outside of that, I don't know what's real and what's not. Right. You know what I mean? Like how much of this is real? How much of this is not real? Like, obviously I know Rick Dalton did not exist. Sure. Of course. I, I know I've never that seen Cliff, Nebraska Jim. Right. I know that Cliff Booth was not a real person. Right. But aside from that, it's kind of one of those, like what, what, you yeah. know? What I mean? So yeah, bounty um, law probably wasn't real. Like his, his, his properties weren't real. But, like, everything else was, like, I loved the scene <clears throat> when they were talking about him almost getting the Steve McQueen job. And then they cut back and edited Leo into scenes of that movie. Yes. Like, for sure. Brilliant. And brilliant. Can I, can I ask, regarding, or not even ask, but state, regarding world building, the fact that they just, they allude to things that if you are anywhere, like, in the Hollywood pantheon of knowledge, like I know things about Hollywood, then he t he gave character traits to his fake characters that were close enough to real characters in in life. So, like perfect example, Brad Pitt's stuntman, right? 
is rumored to have killed his wife on a boat. Right. Yes. Which is very similar to the real life situation with um, what's her name? Um, Christopher Walken was there. Oh, 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 yeah. No, no. I know. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name. I know exactly the story you're talking about, though. Um, it's not Audrey Hepburn. No, it's it's, it's not Audrey Hepburn. No, it's um. But I know. I, I know who fuck? you're talking about. But, but I I'm also but, blanking on the name. But you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. that was like a story that I know of, and he used parts of that as mm-hmm. a real like grounding basis for this character. Right. And that plays even more into that like what is real and what isn't real because they never even really go into it further than that. They right. just kind of leave it that this is this stain that he has on him, but they right. don't they don't really explain anything else about it. Well, and then the mixing like you were saying of real and fake of, you know, uh in the movie Kurt Russell's wife Janet or Jody or whatever who hates Brad Pitt's character she's a real life stunt woman and she's like a super famous stunt woman really that actress yeah and then also like you were saying earlier like on the the scene at Spawn Ranch talking about like all the little characters that he dropped in that whole scene is littered with the offspring of Hollywood did you well, look I was at about the to see yes yes like, I was gonna uh, ask you if you were rumor aware of that. rumor Willis is there Kevin Ma- Smith's daughter is in Ke- there yeah Harley Quinn Smith Maya Maya Hawk from Stranger yep. Things is yep. there Dakota Fanning obviously um the Bruce Dern character I did read was supposed to be Burt uh, Burt Reynolds, but he passed away. Ah, oh, I did not know that. So that was that was supposed to be his character. He was. I don't know. To be I loved scene. Bruce Dern in it. He, oh man, Bruce Dern's always great for sure. Laura Dern's dad for everyone who's not paying attention. <laughs> who's to the to life? Um, but I will say, seeing that movie sparked in me a um, a desire, and maybe we don't have to spoil the ending. We've already <laughs> spoiled that Margot Robbie doesn't die. But, but how and why and the way it is goes. so bonkers that so it you know, have to see it. I don't yeah. even want to tell people. So we won't. I, I say we don't spoil that aspect. Any more that Margo we won't spoil anymore. Roby lives. Yeah. Sharon Tate lives. Also beautiful that they used actual Sharon Tate footage when yes. she's watching herself. In, yes. On the and screen. then they intercut it with Margot Robbie training with Bruce Lee, which did happen for that in those movie. in those custo- in the co- same costumes. Yep. But that was kind of one of the things I was like, man, that's so awesome. And they didn't try to, like, shy away from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was so I mean, clearly Margot Robbie is not Sharon Tate. is not Sharon Tate. She does not look exactly like Sharon Tate. So right. when you have those two on sc- sharing screen time together. It's even more blaring, but I loved that that fact that it kind of f- led to the whole fantasy feel of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt more fantastic and heightened. Again, like um, this is a universe very similar to ours, a la, you know, Inglorious Bastards, but things don't happen the same way. It's not the same. Right. Um, now, I will say it sparked a need to go back and rewatch all the Tarantino pantheon. So yeah, I uh, have ha- a box set collection and I am going to be working my way ha- through it. Haley and I have already rewatched. We watched the extended cut of hateful eight on Netflix. Mm. Um, it's real good. Uh, are you working your way backwards or are you doing it? In no, we just, we just jumped all over. So awesome. we watched the extended cut of, of hateful eight. Cause Haley had never seen hateful eight. That's fun. That one's a fun one. It is a fun one. We watched that one. 
Um, talk about a bonkers, gory ending. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good one. Um, we watched Inglorious Bastards again already. Just a classic. I watched Pulp Fiction a couple days ago. And then yesterday I watched Jackie Brown. Oh, when you when you hit up Reservoir Dogs again, let me know how it stands up. Like text me and let me know what you think. Okay, for sure, definitely. That's one um, that used. That's one of my favorites of his, but I haven't seen it in probably eight or nine years. So I want to see how it holds up. I will say the one I probably won't watch again, and Haley has no interest, is probably Death Proof. I really didn't care for Death Proof. I don't. Yeah. I yeah. don't love the gore exploitation. That's not my bag. Well, my feeling on that one is it's more that one's more of a gimmick than a Quentin Tarantino movie. But do, isn't it counted in his? I, I think it. I think he counts it. Film pantheon. But in my like, I don't count Planet Terror as a Robert Rodriguez movie. Like, I, I sure. Just, I mean, I, it is. But if that was more of the Grindhouse gimmick, right? I, I don't know. I just I don't really think of it in the pantheon but i know it sure. is sure but I, we probably won't be revisiting that yeah, one probably but smart. Haley also hasn't seen kill bill uh either of them either one Ooh, you guys are in for so fun. i'm excited to revisit that one because that is one of my all-time favorites a lot well. of death in that one lots of death yeah. um but so we've been doing that all right so aside i welcome to the quentin tarantino podcast right. where we just oh, talk about quentin tarantino you got more oh no i was gonna say speaking of lots of death didn't you see scary stories I did, so I wanted to touch on that. Uh, yeah, give me like will, a five-minute spoiler-free like your I take will, on it. Okay, uh, it's good. Okay, it's scarier than I expected. Sweet. Uh, I originally was planning to take my daughters to it. I don't think I will now. Oh, okay. Um, it's not. God, I don't want to touch on spoilers, but one of the things that made me most proud. The way that it ends made mm -hmm. me happy. Okay. I, um, I will I will accept that. Now, let me ask. How does it do in honoring and representing the stories that we love from those books? Um, that was my only complaint, is this. Unless you've read the books, mm -hmm. you, you don't know, and you don't know the stories, they don't really explain any of the stories. Okay, it's just sort of like visuals like hey here's the thing you like yes okay. kind of like um you're familiar with the toe right yes. the yeah. the where's my toe um it happens similarly and if you remember in that story it starts with like there is a pot of uh, mother found a gar uh, toe in the garden right and thought it looked juicy and plump and put it in the stew right basically and they ate it and that's that's the fucked up part, and the woman. These are books comes for kids, back. by the way, everybody. Right, and the woman comes back looking for her toe, and the most terrifying part is the fact that the toe is in His their stomach. stomach. Yeah, right, and there's no giving it back. Right, uh, in a natural way. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so elements of that story are intact, but they don't really explain the the story. That right. Makes sense. Okay. Like elements of that are in play, but unless you knew the story going into it, you don't know what's going okay. on. They also do one with uh, the Me Tai Doty Walker. Do you remember that uh, story? Uh, vaguely, not. I couldn't tell you much about it. There's once again no explanation. Gotcha. Um, so it's that kind of thing. They do the Lady in White. Okay. Nice. No ex. No explanation. It's just. The just scary. So one of the the only suggestion that I had leaving the theater was 
I said it would have been cooler because you know the basic concept, right? A right. book full of stories. We talked about this. Yep. They've 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 put that out through the trailer. A book full of stories basically comes to life. Right. Gotcha. Um, it would have been cooler if they would have intercut scenes of people reading the story as the things are happening. Uh, okay. That would have been a clever plot device that would have both informed you with the story, but also let you watch it like horrifyingly play out. I can I can dig that. I'm I, I will keep that in mind as I when we go right. see it. But that being said, thoroughly enjoyable. Good. Didn't feel like a kids movie. I'm gonna be honest. It dealt with some. It doesn't themes. seem to be marketed as a kids movie. If I'm being honest, no. And the movie takes place in the '60s. Cool. Um, and they deal with some racism themes and some like, as you would in the '60s. And Nixon and Vietnam. And Interesting. It's, but I will tell you. With that being said, I could feel Guillermo del Toro fingerprints all over. Good. It. You know Good. what I mean? Like, it felt like he was like, oh, no, let's give this, like, in-depth backstory to some yeah. of these characters. And awesome. Let's really, like, make it feel like it exists in a world. You know I what I mean? I love that. Um, and the theater full of adults. Well, yeah. Like I said, I don't think this is a kid's movie. I'm, 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 I'm happy to say that you're not going to take your young uh, teen daughters to it. I don't know. There was, I will say there was one family behind us that had like a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. Yeah. I wouldn't have taken a five-year-old to this based on the trailers. Well, definitely not. But um, it, I will say this. Okay. Do you remember the movie, The Gate? Yes. The, hor- the horror movie. Yes. Like, yes. From yes. the 80s with yes. Stephen, Dor- with little child Stephen Dorff. Yep. That was maybe one of my first, like, introductions to horror movies because it's fun and weird, Mm -hmm. and they open a portal to hell in the backyard through a, like, metal record, you know? It's so, like, 80s and kitschy and stupid. But it also is, there are elements that are pretty scary and some pretty intense visuals, but nothing that, like, is, like, Hellraiser level, you know? (laughs) Right. I would say... Just like that was a great introduction to horror movies for me, this is a great introduction. This is like the training. No, this is without training wheels. This is like your first time riding your bike without training wheels. Like you may get into... hurt, but you're going to learn something from it. Exactly. Like I kept saying to Haley, it felt very in line, although slightly toned down from it. Chapter one. Oh, wow. Like, like things happened. Mm hmm. But it felt more like a like a homage of Stephen King esque kid adventures. Okay, that dealt with real world consequences. That I like that. I like that review of scare. I'm, I'm gonna keep that in mind when I'm walking watching it. Okay. But like, I'm I like that. I like that review of it, and it doesn't spoil anything for me. It doesn't, and so I'm excited for you to see it. And we've already seen some people posting reviews. Not everybody loved it. Yeah. Um, I've seen some, some tepid responses, so I'm I'm curious for me to go in and see what I right. see. Um, so I'm excited for you to see it. One other thing that I watched, and I know you watched last night, that I'm real excited about speaking about nostalgia, is the Rocco's Modern Life Netflix special. Oh, man, guys, if you haven't seen it, it came out this past Friday. It's like an hour and ten minutes, and it's totally worth your time. Can I say, first off, you know I'm a diehard like, 90s Nicktoon fan. Yep. Especially Rocco's Modern Life. 
and it felt like it somehow simultaneously didn't skip a beat from the original series, but then also 100% brought it current dealing with current like issues and climates. I, I, that was one of the things that I was marveling at the entire time I was watching it is it felt, it looked, sounded, felt, and made me feel the same way as I, if I had just picked up our DVD off the shelf and put in like season two of that show and just watched a random episode, except for the fact that it's talking about iPhones and, you know, uh, or O phones or O phones <laughs> and like, you know, Starbucks and, and battery powered cars. Uh, and can trans we talk people. about, I was about to say transgender representation and like well done transgender. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously they have it. it it's, a part of the story. It's not even just a throwaway gag. It is a plot point of the story that someone is transgender and has, and has changed. And then the reaction to that, Can and we... there are some people who accept it and some people who don't, and then they work towards change and understanding. Can we agree that we both loved it? A hundred percent. But can I also state, I 100% see why Disney sh or Nickelodeon shelved it. Oh, there is no way this would play on Nickelodeon. <laughs> probably not. You're, I, you're... I don't even think probably. I would say I would be shocked if this played yeah. on Nickelodeon. You're Some of right. the themes were very adult. It definitely felt like, now don't get me wrong, would it have played on 90s Nickelodeon? Definitely. Oh, yeah, probably. But here's the deal. And I've even I mean, I'm so ensconced in that world, man, that I've even watched like documentaries on how like animation, the animation world in the 90s. It was much more of a Wild West at Nickelodeon. Right. Well, I mean, there just was, look at Ren and Stimpy. Just look there at was Ren and Stimpy. Very little oversight. There was very little involvement. They were Nickelodeon in the 90s was basically the Netflix of animation. Right. Now, you know what I mean? Netflix is just kind of hiring up all of these animators and yep. like picking up all these animation properties and just kind of putting them out. Ne Nickelodeon was like that. Would it have played on 90s Nickelodeon? Totally. But I guarantee you an executive watched a cut of this movie and was like, no, nope, we can't do anything with this. Like, yeah. this is great. But we we can't put this on television. And there man, are too it many it was, hot button topics for Nickelodeon. It was so it was great though. Like it's great. It, it's great on a meta level. It's great thank on a story level. God for Netflix. Oh man, this my movie. You know that this movie's been in the can since like 2017. Yeah, like I did this read movie about that. was done, and there was potential that it was never going to get released. Like that was a massive fear, and like. The fan community for uh, Joe Murray, the creator, was, mm -hmm. like, reaching out. There were petitions started to Nickelodeon that were, like, release these films. Because it's right. It and Invader Zim. Both got announced at, like, the 2016 or 2017 Comic-Con. we still haven't seen Invader Zim yet, although there's some announcements. Next, yeah. It's coming next Friday. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, like, we still haven't seen it. But oh, yeah. No, no, It's no. coming. But both of those projects were announced together. And then both got made, and then both got shelved. Yeah. So I'm hoping that Invader Zim is also as bonkers, yeah. but cutting edge and biting as 
Rocco. Is, well, the thing, and here's what I loved. Here's what I loved about this Rocco is just like you said, it felt like the old show. It was very meta. It was very uh, sarcastic. It was very off color, but it was very honest and hopeful in a weird way. Totally. And, but it also shoved everything I loved about. Rocco's modern life, all the characters, yep. um, all the the jokes, all the like the little subtle things that they would do, but it did it without it feeling forced. Yep. It did it in a way where it totally felt exactly natural? Yes, it felt natural as opposed to them saying, Here's a bunch of things that you like. I just watched the movie and I was like, Man, there was a bunch of things that I liked about that. Can in I there. say this? At first when they announced the movie, I was like, Great, they're gonna do a, a series. Like they're gonna bring yeah. the series back. Now watching this, this is a perfect button ending to – it's like the cherry on the Sunday. Like, yeah. I don't need any more. I honestly hope they do not bring the show back. It couldn't be as good as this. Because the whole message of this is basically it's okay to let go of the things you love, yeah. which was also, like, such an interesting angle to explore the nostalgia of the show, it's yep. so self-aware that it is a, a full of nostalgic love, but that it's okay. It's basically like Rocco is the surrogate audience member yeah, obsessing over a television show that came out in the 90s <laughs> that he wants to get back on air. And then kind of at the end of it, spoiler alert, realizing that it's okay to change yeah. and it's okay if things aren't the same anymore. And I was like, it spoke to my little fanboy fandom yeah. heart. And I was like, you're talking to me and, and it they is made fun okay of, like, to change. They made fun of computer animation a little bit, like a little yeah. reboot, uh, re reboot jabs in there. There was a scene that I legitimately laughed out loud when the, uh, I think they're called the iguana brothers, the chameleons or the chameleon brothers, the chameleon brothers. And they, <laughs> they are, typing things on the computer and one of them just has it on their head and he's just like beep bop boop bop beep beep boop bop bop <laughs> and one of them's like dancing on the computer keyboard and I'm like, we make things with computers yeah we make things good we make good cartoons beep bop boop bop beep bop bop and I was like dude that's fucking hilarious like I don't know why that's so funny to me other than I do know that a lot of times that's the feeling that can kind of yeah. happen when you're creating a project is people come in and they're like I know how to do this so good Oh, it was. Watch it, everybody. Please go watch it. It's so good. Watch it. Give Netflix those numbers. Show them that you are glad that they picked this up and put it out because it's the perfect home for it. I was glad I could watch it. Now, I would honestly love it if they'd pick up the rest of the Rocco series. Oh, and you could watch it all together. And I could watch it all together because I would do a whole retrospective, like beginning to end. So you hear that? We've got them on DVD somewhere, and I know you do too, but we'll probably end up still do that. We'll totally. probably still end up doing that. Um, so that was really good. Uh, Ooh, I don't know if okay. I Bef anything else. Before we end, uh, I wanted to give a weekly movie movie pass update. Yes. Um, have you heard the most recent stories about movie pass? I read something that they changed people's passwords. Yes. So cool. before Avengers Infinity War came out, they instituted an update to the app, and they said it was to help with like traffic throttling or people scamming. But the president or the owner had requested that high user, uh, like their highest users, that they change their passwords so they couldn't get tickets to Avengers Endgame as quickly as they would want. <laughs> Dude, 
awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. They are like, I am so fascinated by Movie Pass. It's they're, the movie about them is going to be great, dude. I can we make that movie? Can we I call dibs? Did. Yeah. Can we make the? All right, you heard it here, guys. J and Q, high five the podcast, guys. That's our movie. Nobody else touch it. We are going to make the Movie Pass movie. I want to make that. It's such a fucking weird story. I don't know. I honestly, Jay, I don't know why they're still there. I don't know why people still subscribe. I don't well, know. Their what's service happening. has been has been paused since like July. They're That's still what I'm around. Like, I don't. I don't understand. I don't. Know I don't think their happening. users do either. I don't know what's happening. I jumped ship a long time ago. Although I will show you. I still have in my wallet my movie pass card. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You got to keep that. That's like a uh, that's I'm like a Pepsi challenge card or I'm a blockbuster card. I'm framing it. Exactly. I'm framing it cuz it what a weird wild universe this exists oh, in. Oh man. Um but now I mean now that uh AMC has their own pe- weekly pass right. then, or monthly pass then you've got Regal rolled one yeah. out too so Regal has one. It's going to uh, be Alamo the is bringing staple. one out. Yeah, that's that's the way the industry is going to work. It's going forward. to be the industry staple because what, what people do now is instead of paying for individual properties, pay people are or we're trained now to pay for access. Right. So it's just like I have access to Netflix. I'm not paying for Stranger Things. I'm paying for Netflix and the access to it. And that's the way that the industry is moving. And so, you know, movie theaters are, you know, falling in line now. Movie pass. It can easily be said blaze the trail for this to be a thing and almost forced theaters to do this. And so for that, we thank you. But like the, I'm just, the movie about them is going to be great. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. So with that being said, this has been a extra long other stuff too, which is a good one. This is like once upon a time and high five, the podcast we've given you, we've given you full on, uh, reviews and thoughts of once upon a time in hollywood and rocco's modern life the the uh, static cling mm-hmm. uh we've also given you a spoil a relatively spoiler free review of scary stories to tell some the dark. great morgan and freeman impressions i mean spot on <laughs> did you just say morgan and freeman yeah like as if they're a comedy a duo? law firm yeah <laughs> welcome to the duo of morgan and freeman we will represent you in a in a has a semi-truck crashed into your car <laughs> Have you ever was, tried to escape from a prison through a sewage ditch? Was it the longest night of your life? Call Morgan and Freeman. <laughs> Bye. We don't we don't get paid unless you do. You've got to stop. That's this is the perfect ending. Goodbye everyone. Hi Project Nerd. It's time to close the door to the writers room once again as this week's award-winning high five the podcast episode comes to an end. Feel free to reach out to the guys with your suggestions for episode topics by emailing them at my5 at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. <sighs> you got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on twitter at high the number five the podcast instagram at high five the podcast or on letterbox by searching high five 
colon, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, and drop the show a five-star rating if you like what you hear. Even if you don't like what you hear, give us a high rating anyway. What's it costing you? Nothing. That's what we thought. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.